What's up guys? Before we get into the video today, I just want to give a huge shout out to today's sponsor, and that is Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. All you have to do is choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Use promo code HIVE, that is H-I-V-E, when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or the Play Store, or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast here on 49ers Hive. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. We're going to talk some 49ers. Anthony, how are you doing? You doing all right with this, again, still bad air quality and fires going on around us? What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Faithful? Yeah, man, it's uh, the fires have been pretty crazy, but right now, at least as of today, they've calmed down, not significantly, but I would say a pretty good portion of the air quality has dropped down to a slightly more comfortable breathing level like right now in the east bay it's at 53 i think the peak today was about 120 130 so it hasn't been too bad but otherwise i'm just glad the fires are kind of it seems like they're calming down a little bit the smoke isn't coming over as much um it has cooled down significantly in in the east bay and more or less california where we went through that stretch where we had like 100 degree weather for like two straight weeks and now it's been like high 80s and low 90s so that definitely makes a difference for uh, fires smoke things of that nature so it sucks but i'm definitely glad it's uh settling down a little bit yeah even here in the south bay it, it's getting better and today it was like i even got cold a little bit in the evening that's a first in a while um but guys enough about that enough about the weather let's talk some 49ers uh, and first things first, Anthony, we've been hearing some reports coming out of pit camp that rookie Javon Kinlaw, uh, specifically he's struggling against fellow rookie Colton McKivitz. Does that concern you at all, especially given that, you know, Kinlaw was a first round pick and McKivitz, I believe, was a fifth round pick. And, you know, the talent level, Kinlaw should be able to win that matchup one on one. Shoot. I don't know if I want to I want to credit McKivitz for just grinding it out and you know, being a solid lineman right now, although he is going up against a rookie. But I also don't want to discredit Kinlaw, even though the reports are that he's still very unpolished. He only really has one pass rush move, which is the bull rush. And that seems like that's his only go-to at the moment. So if he's matching up against stronger, bigger offensive linemen, obviously in the interior, then that bull rush may not pay off as much. He needs to develop more swim moves, more bull rush type moves whether or not pull rush, but not so much the power game, but more so the, the, the finesse game, if you will. So I got to give pro- props to McKivitz, man. He's a fifth round pick kind of coming in with not, I don't know, maybe high expectations that right guard spot is up for grabs. So McKivitz can come out here and I think he's going to try and grind and ball out to the best of his ability because the reports I've seen, man, Tom Compton has absolutely struggled, but he'll probably make the team as a depth piece. And I'm not too sure what the team wants to even do with Daniel Brunskill, if they're going to keep him at center or when Ben Garland comes back, if they'll plug him back in at center. So it's a big toss up. But if there's anything that's certain, it's that McKivitt's performing well at the right guard position, whether it is against Ken Law or even any other lineman shows to me that he is definitely making progress. And yeah, we're not going to see how he'll, how he'll perform in the preseason, but at least we're seeing it right now that he's kind of established establishing himself as a guy who can 
really put 100% effort into blocking and win his battles, albeit against a rookie who only has one move. But it's definitely a start in the right direction or a good step in the right direction. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about this. Um, I, I do think that uh, Colton McKivitz is probably better than what the 49ers anticipated. Um, and, and the fact that they got him, uh, the tra- the pick that they used to select him, I think they got in a trade. So it's like they're, it was a win-win situation. And when you get a guy that low in the draft, you're kind of hoping for depth um maybe a role player at best they're not really hoping for a starting caliber or maybe not necessarily starting caliber but average caliber player but i think they have that in colton mckivitz um he seems like he's got his footing really quickly so this whole kinlaw versus mckivitz thing i think speaks more to mckivitz than it does to, to kinlaw with that all being said, I do think that Kinlaw is a little more raw, just like you said, than the 49ers were hoping. Um, I think they were hoping to have somebody a little more of a finished product. Now, call me a little spoiled here because we just saw Nick Bosa come out of college last season, and he's probably the most polished and ready-to-go rookie that we've seen in a long time. So comparing anybody the year after Nick Bosa is just going to be unfair uh, but but you can't help but do it just because they're back-to-back rookies. So I think it speaks mo- more to McKivitz than Kinlaw. But at the same time, I would like to see Kinlaw step it up. And the reports that have come out the last couple of days are that he is starting to win those battles. So it's promising, and I do think that it'll continue to trend in the right direction. Um, now, speaking of concerns, Anthony, unfortunately, on Sunday, it was reported that uh, right receiver fellow rookie Brandon Ayuk was running a a route and he kind of just gave up on it and and started holding his hamstring does that concern you at all it definitely does concern me and I mean I get it I think I talked about this in the last podcast episode where it was like okay soft tissue injuries these guys haven't played in honestly a long time and it's a lot different for college athletes too who yeah they were training really hard in college but I mean man these are NFL workouts these are NFL practices it's definitely a more professional feel. And even if it's practice, it's still professional setting. You're still going to push yourself and you're still going to be asked to do more. And something like this, I think it's a little concerning just because he's a rookie and this isn't exactly an ideal type of thing you want right now, considering that Debo's already hurt. We don't know what we're going to see in Trent Taylor because he's still working his, himself back from injury. Although he's looked good in camp, but I want to see him in games. And I guess I can apply that to Ayuk too. But the last thing I want to do is lose Ayuk or have him not be 100% come regular season because we have seen a good training camp out of most of the wide receivers, but we still got to see that translate. And I want the most, I, I want my like certain guys out there or like I want the guys out there that I know will give me the best shot at, at least feeling like they can get the job done. And that's not to say the other guys can't, but the expectations for Ayuk were already high, man. He uh, he already had a lot of praise, specifically from Shanahan in the offseason and during training camp. And that's a, that's a lot of praise when you're getting that from Shanahan. And I don't think he's just saying that because. So it's a little frustrating to see this kind of injury go down. From Ayuk's perspective, it sucks because we really want to see the most out of him. And with the bigger picture, it especially sucks now that the wide receiver room has taken another hit. I, yeah, I'm not too concerned about it. Um, it does seem like 
even after the injury occurred, he was still able to return to the sidelines along with D Ford, and they watched the rest of the the practice there. When it first happened, I, I held my breath and I was just like, "Oh boy, you know, here we go again. We just had the news with Jalen Hurd, and then you know another receiver going down, holding his leg." But it doesn't seem to be as serious. And I believe they ruled it as a mild hamstring strain. And he was week to week, if I remember correctly. So it's nothing too serious. Um, but I will say, adding on to you know your point that they haven't played or really they you know have OTAs or anything like that, that, these are valuable reps that he's missing out on now due to this injury that he won't have. So it's already a shortened offseason and for rookies that are supposed to have an even longer offseason with the team to kind of get acclimated and catch their footing in the NFL, now he's going to be going off of even less, you know, training and coaching when he hits week one against the Cardinals. So it's just going to be a lot, man. It's going to be a lot for these rookies to handle as it is. But now you're cutting down on the amount of reps that he has going into the season. So I'm not too concerned about the injury aspect but just overall it affects it in so many different ways that it is a little concerning but I don't think that I'm I'm concerned uh in the sense that you know it, it may be an injury that's going to keep him out for a long time the team doesn't seem to be too concerned about it either um now Anthony I wanted to ask you about the now veteran 49ers wide receiver Kendrick Bourne how do you feel about him going into this season uh, do you think that he's going to step up into a more of a leadership role? I recently spoke to Grant Kona Sports Illustrated, the man 49ers fans love to hate, over on our YouTube channel, and he says that Kendrick Bourne is already stepping up into that leadership role. Yeah, man. I think Kendrick Bourne realizes that this is his position and his team for the taking. And that's not to say that Debo Samuel and eventually Ayuk and any of the other guys will step up. But, I mean, Bourne's been on the team the longest. He's been in the system specifically the longest. So he kind of understands it and understands the nuance of it more than any other wide receiver. And he's been through the ups and downs of the team. And, quite frankly, I think his expectations this season will be a lot more higher than the, than what they were last season in terms of that clutch go-to guy on third down or that clutch red zone guy. And, I mean, he'll still be that guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kendrick Bourne kind of puts it all together this season. I think he's going to be asked to do a lot more than just be that go-to guy in the clutch situation. I think whether there's injuries or not to Debo and Ayuk and any other player, I think Bourne is still going to step up and really be that big-time wide receiver. He may not be the big like DeAndre Hopkins, 200-plus, 300-plus yard guy per game or three touchdowns, whatever it may be. But this guy, I think, has the potential to consistently put up 100 per game, even a touchdown per game. And minimum, minimum, if this guy really steps up and he really proves his worth, not that he isn't unworthy, but if he really steps up and really shows his growth, this we could be looking at a guy who can average 70 to 80 yards a game and who could truly be a thousand yard receiver. And I fully believe in that with Kendrick Bourne. He has a mentality. He's a workhorse. He's a dog. And again, he's been put through the ringer. So he understands more than anyone what it's like to win and to lose. And yeah, it's a contract season for him. So of course he's going to be trying, but I think for him, he definitely doesn't seem like that type of guy who's just playing out there for, for the money. I think he's really playing out there for his team and he cares about everyone. So He's a veteran guy, man. He's the guy everyone looks up to, and he realizes that, and I think he's going to take that mentality going into the season. 
I think that the thing that you touched on there that's most important is it's a contract year. Unfortunately, we've seen uh, guys, I mean, just look at Eric Armstead. He had a career year. It just happened to coincide with a contract year. Uh, you can make the argument that it just you know happens to be that way. Maybe he was going to have a career year either way, but it just it you know always seems to fall in that contract year. Now I'm not faulting Kendrick Bourne for that because I think we've seen improvements from KB every year he's been with the 49ers, and it is crazy to think that a guy like KB is now a veteran. Um, but but that's how young this wide receiver group is, and. I think he's going to have a big year, but it's you got to put it into perspective because there's so many mouths to feed on this 49ers offense, and in particular, even in the wide receiver room. I mean, you got to get through Debo. You got to imagine Brandon Ayuk's in there. Trent Taylor's coming back from injury, and then maybe you get to KB. So you got to you know argue what he's the third or fourth target um, if everything goes as planned. But I think where he really, really is going to make his money is in the red zone. Last year, he really, really proved that he is a red zone threat. Jimmy and KB have that connection in the red zone that every every offensive coach wants to see their quarterback and wide receiver have. He's a big threat. He's a physical receiver, and he, he's a great possession receiver. He's not afraid to go up against the middle to get that, that slant touchdown pass, you know, a couple yards into the end zone. So... I think that's where he's he's going to make his his money. His bread and butter is going to be in the end zone and those third down catches. He's really clutch. I can think of a few plays off the top of my head where he bailed Jimmy out of some horrendous throws um, or, or throws where he was getting hit that he had no business making and KB was still able to come down with him somehow. So I'm actually really excited to see what Kendrick Bourne brings to the 49ers offense this year because I think he has a certain skill set that nobody else on this team has. And he's a bigger receiver with Jalen Hurd, unfortunately, being lost for the year. The only other guy who has a similar build to him is Juwan Jennings, but they're still, I would argue, two different types of receivers. So KB has his own little lane with the 49ers, and I do think that that's going to work out for him really well this year because they need somebody with his style um now i want to go to the other side of the ball anthony and speak of another veteran that we haven't really seen much of and that's cornerback jason verrett unfortunately when we did see him he got burned uh by pittsburgh and then he was gone they sent that man to siberia it seemed like there have been kind of some differing reports coming out of camp that he's doing really well he's returning to his his peak form when he was with the chargers then there are also reports coming out that you know man that that's 49ers propaganda don't listen to that it really does look like he's still not the same guy do you think the 49ers will be able to get some some quality play out of him yeah i think so i think grant Cohn in this article today said he had his first pass breakup in training camp and that was against the second team and cj bethard so Take that however you will, but the point being is that he finally, fi- I you know I'm not a super big box score stat reader guy, but he put up a number that matters, and that's the pass breakup, and it's a step in the right direction. I think he's still working into his body. He's still trying to find his his niche, if you will, 
he's trying to understand himself where his health is at. And I think at this point, he's just building up his confidence, man. And we saw what he was like when he played and he played consistently. He was arguably a top 10 cornerback, even top five. That's how good he was. And the fact that the Niners have this guy on the roster who I still think can live up to that potential and be that guy once again, I think that's a, that's a risk they're willing to take. And I want to see E-Man step up too. I think mostly it'll be a, Mostly would be another factor, but right now with Ferret, man, if he's having a pretty inconsistent camp, that isn't a bad sign to me. It's, it just tells me it's a sign that he's working himself back into shape and he's kind of preparing his body. Because it's just like we talked about with Jimmy Garoppolo, man, and wearing the knee brace. He's wearing the knee br- or he's not wearing it anymore. And that can go a long way for a player's confidence. And that has to do with his health, physically and mentally. And I think you can take the same thing and apply that to uh, Jason Verrett also where, yeah, he doesn't have a knee brace or anything, but he has a ton of very significant injuries. So if you, if he finds that confidence in himself and he finds his, uh, again, his niche and his ability and he can think, Hey, I feel good. My body feels good. I know I can do this. I've just got to work myself back in. The Niners could have one of the best cornerback rooms in all of the NFL dude with Sherman. Sherman will drop off a little, but he's still Sherm. I think his uh, smarts will definitely take him a long way this season. Verrett is like where Sherman is minus the injuries and the speed drop off to where I think Verrett could still be that Sherman type player, but just again, has to work himself back in. And obviously K1, who's literally the best slot corner in the game. So I think even with Eman Zach, it all rides on Verrett being healthy. Both guys are great options, but Shoot, dude, I'm sorry I'm going on too long, but I think it's a really good conversation. It's a really good talking point, man. The cornerback room is one of the biggest question marks of the season. And if they can get the most out of Verrett and he can find himself, holy cow, dude, the NFL better be ready. It's, you know, it's tricky because cornerback is such a mental position. And we saw it last season with Akello. Um, He was playing really well and then he got injured and his mentality... Hasn't been the same since, unfortunately. It seems like Jason Verrett, at times, he does have that confidence. But then at other times, it's almost like that injury kind of gets back to him. And he doesn't really feel confident enough to plant that foot or, or make the sudden moves. Because that injury comes you know, as a flashback into his head. And he doesn't want to re-injure himself. So, there's so many things that come into play here. Um... It, it, it's it's tough, man. I, I I would defer to Jose Sanchez of Sports Illustrated, a friend of the show. He was saying that you know it's it's a big if because he actually Verrett that being um, he doesn't really look the same, and there are certain times where he does flash and look good, but for the most part, it's still a lot of unproven. So. It's unfortunate because, like you said, Anthony, if the 49ers do get quality play out of Jason Verrett, they have a hell of a one-two punch with Sherman and Verrett there. Um, But as of right now, I haven't seen enough to confidently say, yes, Jason Verrett's going to return to starting corner form. Um, I think just getting him out on the field in meaningful snaps, getting that confidence back up, Start with that. Have that as your first goal. And if the 49ers are able to do that and get him to get some some minutes under his belt, maybe a couple of PBUs, maybe an interception here or there, then you could start talking about let's getting this guy some more playing time. But until then, I think it's clear. I think that starting corner opposite of Sherman, 
belongs to Emmanuel Mosley. And the 49ers are kidding themselves if they're going to be trying to put Akello or uh, Verrett in there to start the season. And I know on the last episode I picked Akello as my bounce-back candidate, and I still do think he bounces back. But I think as of right now, Emmanuel Mosley has proven the most that he deserves to start opposite of Sherman. Um, so I, I need to see more out of Verrett, bottom line. Now, Anthony, speaking of a newcomer to the 49ers secondary, Jonathan Cyprian, um, do you think he's anything more than a camp body? Dude, he's getting interceptions in training camp. That's all I care about. <laughs> um, honestly, dude, I that's the biggest thing about Cyprian I've been hearing is that he's intercepting the ball and he's making plays on the ball. And that's not to say that warrants him a starting position, but that tells me that if this dude is physically able to make plays, I think he's deserving of a roster spot. And it goes a long way to say he's a starter because right now Tart and Ward are both set in place. And quite frankly, I wouldn't replace either two. I think they're one of the most underrated safety tandems in the league. But if you have someone like Cyprian who could be a very solid backup, dude, go keep him on the roster. Let, let him ball out. At the moment, I don't have the roster in front of me. I can't think of really any of the other free safeties out in that position outside of Tavarius Moore and uh, Marcel Harris, who might be the backups. But having good safeties is never uh, you know, a bad option. And with this team, it seems like safety is definitely an interchangeable position. We see lots of guys kind of in the DB room kind of shifted all over the place. But hey, Cyprian is standing out. And he's making a name for himself. So if he can keep that up, dude, and he can keep, just making plays on the ball, whether it's the first team or second team. I think he deserves a roster spot, dude. I really do. And this season now more than ever is going to be really important to have depth guys because we don't know how COVID's going to affect the teams. We don't know how healthy these guys are going to be to begin with. And that's just outside of COVID. So a lot goes into building this roster. But if you have a safety like Cyprian who is doing everything you're asking of him and more, you got to heavily consider him for a roster spot, man. And yeah, and maybe it's a lot to overthink a safety, but hey, having that backup playmaking safety for when Ward, if he gets hurt at some point again, that could go a long way for deciding games and deciding starting positions for the future, dude. So I got to give Cyprian a lot of props. If he's going to ball out, I say keep him. I thought it was interesting that uh, today, actually, while we're recording this today, um, they asked him at the press conference, you know, if he would be open to signing on the 49ers practice squad. And he was very blunt. He said, to be honest with you, no. So it sounds like it's making this team or, or nothing for him. And I mean, you got to understand he's a veteran. He's later on in his career. He's probably thinking, I want a ring. You know, I'm not playing for the money. I'm not playing for just to be on a team on a practice squad, it seems like he's playing to to win a, a championship. And you got to respect it. But like you said, the 49ers do have two well-established safeties with Jimmy Ward and Jaquiski Tart. So it, it's tough. But the only argument I would make is both of these guys have consistently missed time with injuries. You're allowed to have an ex- expanded roster this year. I would make the argument to keep him. I think he's played well enough to make the roster. I think he's a veteran presence on a team that doesn't have too many vets. Um, they, they have select vets in key positions, but they could always add more. And I think that 
He's the type of guy who, who's shown throughout his career. He's a blue-collar type of player. He's going to come in, get the work done. He's not going to be a flashy, you know, talk a lot of smack type of guy. I think he fits in very well with the culture of this team. And I think he's still able to play at a high enough level to make a significant impact on the 49ers if he has the opportunity to, if need be. Um, so I think that as of right now, the 49ers brought him in with just the intention of being a camp body. But I do think that it turns into a little bit more. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes this uh, final roster. Now, Anthony, we're going to go ahead and move into our red and gold standard mailbag. Uh, I want to thank everybody for sending in your questions. Um, our first question is from Simon Tag on Twitter. How does the tight end depth chart look? Do you think we'll see more 22 personnel to start the season? With the wide receivers injured, I definitely think we'll see a lot of 22 personnel. With the tight end depth chart in particular, someone was saying that the team is likely to carry four tight ends. I believe they did that last season also. Dude, it's never too bad to have too many good tight ends. And quite frankly, I think Kittle, you know how Kittle is. He's going to ball out. Jordan Reed, barring any health issues, he could be a top 10 tight end. Charlie Warner, he's very good at inline blocking. Kittle even said it himself. He's a lot farther blocking-wise than Kittle was as a rookie. And Kittle's one of the best blocking tight ends in the entire league. So to get that kind of praise from the best tight end in the league to begin with and the best blocking tight end in the league in particular, again, that's a lot of praise. And the fourth tight end spot, shoot, Chase Harrell, I think. That seems like it's kind of up for grabs, but the point being is that the tight end position is arguably going to be one of their most productive positions this year, and I think that that'll set up the depth chart already. Like right now, my depth chart ideally is if we're keeping four, is um, God, oh, I forgot about Ross Dwelly. Dwelly's hurt too. You know, I think Dwelly gets a spot over Harold, but I'm going Kittle, Reed. Harold, or not Harold, Kittle, Reed, Dwelly, Warner. I think that's what their depth chart is going to look like if Dwelly gets back from injury and Reed is healthy and all that stuff. And I think they like Chase Harold, but they already have three guys in Kittle, Dwelly, and basically Reed who are established. And that four spot, Warner, I think he's too good of a blocker to let go. You can't let that go because Shanahan loves his blocking tight end. So, number one, that was my depth chart Kittle, Reed, Dwelly, Warner, and two. For the first few weeks, man, I definitely think we'll see a lot of 22 personnel. Shanahan's going to love running the ball. He's going to let Garoppolo work himself back into football shape with no preseason games. And for Shanahan, it seems like the running game is a lot easier for him to set up than the pass game. So bombs away in the run game, man. Let Shanahan do what he loves to do. I, I think this is a really good question, actually, because the 49ers are going to be able to do a lot more 22 personnel, specifically with Jordan Reed. Um I think, obviously, the key emphasis is on him staying healthy. But I think if he stays healthy, the 49ers are able to do a lot more on offense that's going to give a lot of opposing defenses fits. Um, we've we've seen already a lot of players around the league and former players saying, you know, if, if Jordan Reed's healthy and they got George Kittle out there, that's already one of the best tight end duos in the NFL. So they got the potential to be something great here. And I like the, the depth chart that you presented there, but I think I would swap Chase Harrell and Charlie Warner. Um, I actually think, even though they, they did draft Charlie Warner this year, 
I think they have a good amount of blocking tight ends on the roster. I think Chase Harrell is just a little bit better of a receiver. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they give him the nod over Charlie Warner. But then again, it is kind of a little political when it comes down to draft picks and not being drafted. So they could give the nod to Warner strictly due to the fact that he was drafted. But from what I've read, he hasn't really shown much in training camp so far, at least in, in receptions and you know getting too much playing time out on the field. That is Warner I'm talking about. Uh, next question is from Stephen Burke Jr. on Twitter. Shout out to Stephen. That's our dude. Um, if you were able to select any style uniform for the team to wear on game day, what would you choose? I tweeted out like a couple months ago. It was the red. I, I don't remember if those those were their home jerseys or even their alternates, but it was like the red. Uh, it was almost like the red mesh jerseys from like the mid 2000s that the team wore when they were really bad. Dude, that classic font look from like the 90s, but that really like deep red or like that deep ingrained red color is beautiful. Give me those like mid 2000s throwbacks. Even if they bring the old school fans bad memories of how bad the teams were, they still have the coolest jerseys in the league, man. So mid 2000s, early 2000s, late 90s jerseys. That's my answer. We talking like Jeff Garcia years? Yeah, Jeff Garcia years. Late Jeff Garcia. Um, Whoever kind of came after Garcia, my memory's a little foggy. But, yeah, the the jerseys when the team after Garcia kind of sucked, dude. I don't know why. I love those jerseys. I thought they were clean. <laughs> well, you're you're not missing much on your memory. We're talking like Tim Rattay, Ken Dorsey, Cody Pickett. So, I, I like those jerseys. Those are nice jerseys. Um, Kind of the dark ages for the 49ers fans, at least of recent memory. For me, though, I think this is a very, very easy question at least when you're asking me i would go with the red 94 throwback jerseys i think those are the cleanest 49ers jerseys out there especially when you get that little black shadow on the background of the numbers um it's you know they wore the the white 94 throwbacks this year but it would be awesome to see them bring back the red ones and you know be able to wear those at home because those ones are just so clean, dude. Every time I, I play Madden, I automatically switch it to those jerseys. I just love them so much. Uh, all right, next question, Anthony, is from Dante3000 on Instagram. What are the odds of Jamichael Hasty making the final roster and then actually being used? Well, I think five running backs is certain. Um, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, Kyle Juszczyk. And Raheem Mostert, so those are the five. I think a I I still think that a very surprise cut, not just for salary cap reasons, but for just overall depth reasons, is Tevin Coleman, dude. He's making a lot of money to be a at the moment a mediocre running back, and I like Tevin Coleman. I think he has a lot to offer as a running back, but man, the guy can't really stay healthy. His yards per carry was very far below what people expected of him. And he had that breakout game. I think it was against the Packers or the Vikings or whatever it was. But overall, throughout the season, outside the Panthers game too, it just felt like he underperformed. And I think Kyle Shanahan can get that type of Tevin Coleman-style running back out of Jeff Wilson. And Zach, I swear, I'm not just being a Jeff Wilson homer this time. You know I love me some Wilson. But I think this goes beyond just you know my fandom. I think Wilson is a very powerful, very solid running back who keeps his body low to the ground, can maintain his speed, and he'll fight for extra yards. And Tevin Coleman, it was like he takes contact on and then just 
doesn't fight much afterwards. So I think if Tevin Coleman is the surprise cut, Jamichael Hasty definitely has a spot on the roster. We saw that they waved Salvan Ahmed, who fumbled twice in one practice, and that was basically the end of the line for him. And Jamichael Hasty is starting to become a not-so-well-known kept secret. He's playing very well, and... If he keeps it up, I shoot, he might get picked off of waivers or whatever the case may be. So Tevin Coleman will be the X Factor and Jamichael Hasty making the roster. But if it was me, man, for salary cap reasons and for just ability, I think I want Jamichael Hasty on the team. I you know, I don't understand a lot of people have Tevin Coleman being cut. I think Kyle Shanahan loves himself some Tevin Coleman way too much in order to just cut him like that after having him for, what, only a year? I think he'll be on the on this team this year. Um, but with that being said, I still do think Hasty makes the roster because uh, there is a spot opened up with Brita being gone, even though McKinnon is coming back. I think we've seen how Kyle Shanahan loves to have a plethora of healthy running backs on the roster who can all contribute in different ways and have different playing styles. And not to mention you get hasty for cheap as an undrafted free agent. Um, I just think the benefits far outweigh the risk when it comes to keeping him. Um, With that all being said, I'm not sure how much playing time he gets at first. Um, I think maybe after the middle of the season and going into the end of the season, he might start to get some more just to keep the rest of the, the stables legs fresh, so to speak. Um, but I think it's going to take some time for him to gain some some a prominent role, I should say, in this offense. If he ever does this season at all, it might take a, a full year. But I'm actually really excited to see what he brings to this offense, what type of dynamic he brings. All right, Anthony, last question for the RGS mailbag is from Mike Leach on Instagram. How legendary will this team be this year? I think the last episode you said that the team has a solid – I think you said 6 out of 10. or What was your answer when we were asking about the out of 10 for the team making the Super Bowl again? I think I said 9 out of 10. What was your answer? Oh, gosh, yeah. I think I said like 6, six 7 out of 10. Okay. I I want the team to make the Super Bowl very bad. But, man, it's hard. I, I thought about it after you said 6 out of 10. I was like, shoot, maybe, I, maybe my fandom is a little too high. <laughs> you got to look at the big picture, dude. Um these guys got to stay healthy. Everything's just got to click again. Like you said in the last episode, it is very hard to make it to the Super Bowl, especially after the previous Super Bowl, let alone even make it into the playoffs again. And yeah, the playoffs are expanded this year. But in a sense, you almost get the feeling like that the football playoffs this year are like baseball, where any team could win or lose. It doesn't matter who it is. And football's going to have those games this year where they are really fluky and people are going to lose a lot of money betting and be surprised at who wins and loses. So... I do think the team is in a position to be legendary. If I'm measuring legendariness based off of how far they're going to go, I still think the team has a good shot in making the Super Bowl. But, shoot, man, it, it's a long path. It, and this pathway for this season seems a lot longer than previous seasons, that's for sure. You know, it's – yeah, just going back to that, that previous uh, question on our last podcast, it's tough, man. It's a long and difficult – road to get back to the Super Bowl it's it's a hard one to get there alone like you said but getting back there it's like you know driving at midnight with no lights on in a windy road it's difficult um but as far as how legendary this team is 
they certainly have the potential to be very, very legendary. Um, they have a hell of a roster as of, as of we stand right now. They got a fantastic coaching staff. The ownership and, and general manager and coaching staff are all on the same page. Just everything seems to be flowing right in Santa Clara to where it's almost like only they could get in their own way. You know what I mean? Like not too many things are going wrong for them. So as long as they just kind of keep it going and, and don't mess things up, they got the potential to, to have a nice little, I don't want to say dynasty quite yet, but they have a window and it seems to be wide open right now. And unfortunately, we're not sure how long that window is going to stay open, but I think the iron is hot and they need to strike right now to ensure that that window stays open for as long as possible. So with that all being said, I think they're going to be pretty damn legendary this year. <laughs> um, and I think I'll leave it at that. But guys, I want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard podcast. Um, if you guys want to support us, please, please, please do us a solid. Leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening on if they allow reviews. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can find all of the podcasts, all of the tweets asking for questions for the RGS mailbag. You can find that at RGS pod on Twitter and just make sure you guys are following us as well. My personal handle is at Zach Hernan. Anthony, why don't you go ahead and let the folks know where to find you and close us out. Zach, this was kind of quick for once and it might've been the quickest podcast in a while, but as always, dude, it's so much fun recording with you. Regular season's coming, dude. What, three weeks away, two and a half weeks away for the regular season? And I feel bad for the guys who can't play any preseason games, but oh my god, now there's just a there's just a straight countdown to the regular season. And it's like, oh, I am so excited, man. I am so excited. But great episode tonight, like always. As is the case, guys, follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49 E-R-S.